welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, SEC on CBS lead analyst Gary Danielson. We are coming fresh off the Iron Bowl, the one of the biggest games and most impactful games of the college football season so far. We've got an SEC championship to preview. Gary, I want to start by looking back to Jordan-Hare Stadium because uh, one of the big things that we circled going into the matchup was some of the injuries that Alabama's had on defense, but I want to start by looking at the offense. Nick Saban, you know, he said it at halftime and he said it after the game. And, you know, third down absolutely killed them. We did not, from a personnel standpoint, uh, necessarily circle anything on Alabama, or at least I didn't, to be concerned about. What do you think went wrong for the Crimson Tide offense in that game? Well, I think when Alabama put their game plan together for Auburn, I think they felt that they had a mismatch between Auburn's defensive line and their own offensive line. I think they went into the game feeling that they could not run right at Auburn, that they watched the Georgia tapes and other tapes and, you know, watched themselves play and struggle to run the ball in what, what one might call traditional running plays, the plays that you know, Alabama started out running against uh, and effectively against the Vanderbilts of the world and the Tennessees of the world. And we all talked about the fact that they had gone back to Bama ball, you know, more of a physical game, more of a man blocking scheme, pulling guards, featuring tailbacks. And I think in this game, they decided that that was not going, they weren't going to waste series and they weren't going to waste plays. And that was not going to be the staple. I think from there, their next conclusion was that Jalen Hurts and their pass blocking was not capable in the combination together of uh, competing on third down. And I think those two uh, theories or conclusions that they drew before the game distorted their whole game, the way they ran the whole game. No slants uh, uh, in the game to wide receivers. The tight end was invisible. The quarterback got more runs than the tailbacks in the first half. Um, I just felt they were disjointed. I thought uh, Jalen Hurts, because of what he had been told all week, that uh, their pass rush could be dominant and to avoid the sacks, was looking for one receiver, and then immediately his second read was to run. Mm -hmm. And I I just felt that uh, Alabama conceded too much to the front four of – Auburn, and I thought it uh, took them out of their game plan. Now, that said, they had immediate success at the beginning of the second half, and I'm still baffled why they didn't go back to that. On that first, was that the first drive that ended with the Scarborough yeah. touchdown right out of halftime? Right, they ran the, right, right out of halftime. They ran their traditional stretch plays and counters, and they ran. Uh, listen, Damian Harris is a legitimate gripe. What is he doing wrong yeah. that he can't <laughs> get, you know, 15 to 18 carries? I mean, and I, you know, I've heard different commentators say that all this, you know, criticism about who's carrying the ball to Alabama is um, incorrect. Um, I still beg to differ. Uh, if 
you allow a defensive team to take away part of your strategy just by alignment. That if, if you allow Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator for Auburn, to dictate who gets the ball through alignment, why can't Alabama dictate the ball away from Carryon Johnson? Right. As as Nick okay. Saban is ma- as Nick Saban's making his case after the you know of course he's going to make his case for his team he's the head coach that's what he has to do but I I couldn't help but coming come away from that Iron Bowl Gary and and wonder um, you know all the talent in the world on paper but it doesn't seem like this Alabama team the 27, 2017 Crimson Tide it does not seem like they are executing at a championship level right now well. You know, I still thought that as much as it was an emotionally good football game and a tough place to play, and Jarrett Stidham was on fire, you know, we talked about the fact that if you don't bring an efficient quarterback to the table, you know, you're going to have trouble, and Jarrett had a great football game. Alabama still has the ball in the fourth quarter with one drive. I mean, Alabama has always, in 12 years, uh, been the team that didn't crack, okay, in the fourth quarters of these big games. And all they needed was one drive, you know, to really put the pressure on, you know, after the kickoff return down there, you know, they disintegrated. I mean, I, the Jalen Hurts throwback pass to Kel, Kelvin Ridley where two defenders have Ridley double covered. Uh, and by the way, if Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson knows that at any pass route over 15 yards, the safety Stephen Roberts or Trey Matthews is going to double-team Calvin Ridley. Can't Alabama know this? Yeah. Can't you send Calvin Ridley deep and cross someone underneath with, against man-to-man coverage? It, there, there was no uh, disguise here by what Al- uh, Auburn was doing. It was just a lack of confidence by Auburn, uh, excuse me, by Alabama, that they didn't feel like they had the blocking ability to, to take advantage of it. So, you know, that pass by Jalen was shocking. I've never seen any Alabama quarterback do that in 12 years, throw a pass like that. Shocking. Sometimes, and it got worse from there. And it got worse from there, as you know. Like, I get frustrated at times. And you, you mentioned it with, you know, watching Damian Harris sort of not get the carries that's right. just as good as he is and, and – and, uh, at times, I look at Alabama and I wonder, sort of, are they caught in between this? Do we want to be a, a more wide open, versatile offense, uh, or and do we want to still have that power run game? Like I, I almost want them to just choose one because you know, even you mentioned they're doubling Calvin Ridley. Man, Alabama's got a lot of really good wide receivers beyond Calvin Ridley. Totally, if totally. They could trust them. So I'm, I'm curious if you think that Alabama has. Uh, I don't know if this is the best way to phrase it, but but maybe lost some of their identity, or, or is 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 sort of. Ha, ha, I don't know. Can you comment on just sort of where they're at in terms very, of their? It, it, it is very difficult to criticize Alabama. I yeah. mean, they win too many games. Yeah. You know, they they really do. And 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 no matter what you say, you know, you you in print, you could be made to look like a fool. Sure. Uh, and and I get that. You know. One does wonder, though, you know, I mean, after the Clemson game of last year when Bo got hurt 
and Alabama struggling so much with time of possession in that game. You know, in the, in the middle of the third quarter, you could see it starting to get distorted, and they continue to run hurry up and continue to, um, after Bo got hurt, pretend like they had no other running backs on the team. You know, and Damian Harris is sitting there going, you know, I had a pretty good year here. You know, I can't, can I not get the ball and show you what I can do? And, and, you know, I've, I've felt now, you know, in the Clemson game and in this game that for what it's it baffling sometimes as to what they're really trying to accomplish or who they're trying to be on offense. I agree with you. And, you know, that's why, you know, Jalen Hurts has been such an important football player for them because he's been such a great clutch player and seems to have been able to bail Alabama out in these tight games. He almost bailed them out in the national championship game. He bailed them out in the LSU game in 2016 with a big scramble. But in this game, once they cracked, uh, they got very nervous, and then they went away from their fundamentals. You know, pressure, it's always the team under pressure that – needs to turn back to fundamentals. It's always the easy catch. It's always the center quarterback exchange, the center holder exchange. It's always the little things under pressure that seem people seem to lose their fundamentals. They, they tried so hard to win, they forget about the little things that got them there. You know, why is Bo Scarborough, I mean, this is a disciplined Alabama football team. You know, Bradley Bozeman has been playing center for a couple years there, at least, okay? And I go to their practices. The sound at the Alabama practice facility is so loud, it gives you a headache. The Auburn crowd was not louder than the Alabama practice field. And they do silent count every day, a hundred times a day. But why is Bo Scarborough under pressure all of a sudden going out of mode That doesn't happen where you see the running back come up and start clapping his hands, and it confused the veteran offensive line as, what's going on here? We don't ever see this, and all of a sudden, back-to-back snaps. So for whatever reason, uh, Alabama, which relied on the team not cracking the last eight or ten years, was the team that cracked in this game. We set the bar so high with Alabama, and it's easy to nitpick them. But, I mean, really, Auburn went out and, 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 and won this game. And I'd like to hear just sort of what impressed you the most sure. about Auburn and, and obviously now with them heading into an SEC championship game. They are an interesting team. Um, I think because of the way this – remember, they were projected – in odd years, you always have to think about Auburn and the SEC. You know, they're going to get Georgia and Alabama at the end every year, okay? It just happened to be this year that Georgia and Alabama both ended up being number one. But every year when you look at Auburn, you go, oh odd year. Let's see what they got, okay? And with Jared Stidham coming in, there was a lot of buildup. You remember Auburn, you know, was a top, what, 14, 15 team coming in, a threat to Alabama in the West. But I think it all crumbled with that, you know, Clemson game. And not so much the score, not so much the fact that they lost. It was the 11 sacks. Even I overreacted. Oh, boy. You know, you got a passing quarterback in a running offense. Is this going to work? That was the question I had going in. Could they figure out a way to take the skills of Jarrett Stidham 
and make it work with an offense that in the past four or five years with Gus ran the ball as much as Georgia Tech and Navy and Air Force. They were one of the most dominating running teams in the league. So right away you start out with you know a distorted view. And then when they play an LSU team that was struggling as well and blow a 20 to nothing lead, now the questions about Gus start to pop up. You know, can he handle a team? Can he can he coach a team to a championship if he doesn't have a Cam Newton? So now you almost set them aside. A lot of people did. And then they started to roll. And you forget about the Auburn team that came into this year with experienced quarter, uh, a coordinator on defense in Kevin Steele with a lot of players back, like eight of them back, maybe nine of them back on, uh, from uh, a year ago. A secondary with three veterans in the secondary and two young players at corner that are, that are coming on. A defensive line with three, four, or five uh, future NFL football players that can be dominant. An offensive line that features four seniors, uh, an emerging uh, wide receiver group with a, a deep threat, Darius Slayton, uh, a, a route runner like a Wes Welker route runner of Hastings, and uh, and Ryan Davis who who's turned into such a valuable player once he gets his hands on the ball, and then the emergence of Carryon Johnson. You you look at a team that is built in every direction. Solidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a solid football team. And the question was, could the quarterback come through? And he has. It's the first legitimate quarterback that Alabama faced this season. Okay. DeAndre Francois was not the type of quarterback that hurts Alabama. It's the accurate guys. You know, the guys that complete 17 for 22. Those are the guys that give Alabama problems. And, you know, they faced a lot of freshman quarterbacks this year. They were outmatched. You know, in nine games, they're outmatched. It doesn't matter. But in the three or four games, uh, it did. They finally faced the combination. And uh, when you look at this Auburn team, you see that they don't really have a weakness. You have they really You've always mentioned, what did you say, 18 for 26 is usually what you... That's been, uh, that's, exactly. That's always been my, my bell. you got to come in there efficient. It'd be nice to go 70%, and obviously Jarrett went 75, and you right. can back, right? Steven Garcia and Johnny Manziel, right? Those are the guys that did it before. I was, I was looking at, you know, as, as his stats were compiling by the end of the game, I said 21 for 28 for 237. That's a... Uh, that's an efficient Perfect stat game. line. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's how you beat Alabama. But one thing that Minka Fitzpatrick said uh, is that the Crimson Tide defense was not expecting Stidham to be as much of a running threat. Uh, as that we, didn't beat him, though. That didn't beat him. As, as we start to spin it forward, where, where do you yeah. think Auburn will lean in terms of its game plan to go up against Georgia? I don't think they change anything. Auburn was running the same plays in the Alabama game with maybe a, a different – a shift of a wide receiver or, you know, instead of a receiver coming in motion from uh, the slot, he would come in motion from a wide position that he ran, that Gus ran in 2010. Mm-hmm. It may be the same plays he ran in high school in Arkansas. They, it, you know, there's no mystery here. Everybody's doing it now. They put a, uh, they, they uh, take, put together a threat of a jet sweep with a power game up front. And now you add the quarterback to it. I mean, does anybody really think Jarrett Stidham's running? He made a touchdown. Okay, big deal. It's the 21 passes 
that were the difference in this game. It's the fact, and another you know, huge talking point in this game for, for Alabama, the place where they're most different is they can't rush the passer without a blitz. Mm-hmm. They can do it against weak teams. You know, I'm not. I I don't even watch those tapes when I well, I I don't even put on the Vanderbilt Tennessee tapes. They're a waste of my time. Okay, not only that, Alabama distorts their percentages by doing different things. I I saw an ex uh, someone connected with Alabama saying that the running backs have the same number of carries in this game that they did and averaged all season. Yeah, they played about a half <laughs> of nine of the games the rest of the season they were using five running backs they didn't at the end they were playing walk-on linebackers at running back how can you make a comparison to the number of carries <laughs> that your running backs make in the iron bowl to the rest of the season for alabama that's ludicrous i think that was a former alabama quarterback who was making that defense current college football commentator uh greg, greg mcelroy <laughs> i didn't see that i yeah. didn't see that i just but it's it's note, that right? is that is a great counterpoint. Um, absolutely. All right. So now that let's let's start to look ahead. Auburn, Georgia. What is uh what is there? If you are a Georgia fan, what do you hang your hat on in terms of thinking that this game will not play out like the last one did? Well, first of all, can't be as bad. Right. Secondly, it's not it's not as you know it's not at Jordan Hare. Third is. Your quarterback, you know, is now gets a second. Your young quarterback ha- has been through this. I mean, you know, when you, you know, when you played twenty five games, one game of big game experience, uh, you might divide it by five, okay. But when you've played ten games and only two big games, one more game of experience is huge for a young player like that. It's worth three times as much as to the other guys on the team. So I, I expect Jake Fromm to be much more comfortable uh, in this game. Now, I also think that Kirby Smart did a brilliant job of managing that loss. The way he took in stride, maybe internally he might have thought differently, but publicly he handled his team perfectly by saying, yeah, their coach just said they beat the dog out of you, and you know what? They did beat the dog out of you. And if you don't want to get the dog beat out of you again, we need to go to work. And I thought his team has answered that bell. Here's the problem. You can be fired up. You can gain experience. Uh, you can have played them already. You can say you're used to what uh, their style is. But if you walk in there and you still can't block that guy in front of you, you can be as fired up or as smart or have a better game plan all you want. But if you hit him and he doesn't move or on defense when he starts the pass rush and you take your drop and you're hit, you know, pass protecting his shoulder instead of the middle of his sternum because he's just better than you, it's a problem. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, in the matchup in the offensive line, how much better Georgia can get. And, and that, that could be the defining part of this football game because my talking point for the first Auburn-Georgia game was Auburn felt their defensive line could dominate so much that they could win it themselves. And they did it. They did it. I guess for this rematch, then, maybe a question is, can Georgia's defensive line 
step up to the challenge where they, they weren't able to in that first matchup. Because even if we're going to say that Georgia isn't going to be able to have their way with, with Auburn's defensive front, can, can we expect at least that Georgia's defensive front seven or, or just defensive unit yes could yeah. limit auburn this week i mean where do you where do you um um they're they're a tough team to limit i'll tell you why they're a little bit like trying to limit um navy rushing attack it's so unique that because of the triple option aspect to it with the jet sweeps and their quarterback's ability to get the ball on the flanks it's really tough to stack them inside, and um, you know they've got they're they've got veteran players, and they're they, you know, when I go to watch um, Ivan Jasper and Kenny Niamatololo, the two coordinators for the Navy offense, they've seen everything. They know every adjustment and how to counter that adjustment instantly. If a team goes even a team stacks a linebacker, a team drops their safety in the weak side or the strong side. They know they've got so much experience with it that they're able to counter immediately. That's the same with Gus and his offense. He's so used to running these patties, he's got like 12 plays, and he just mixes it up with different things, and he knows where to counterpunch immediately that Georgia doesn't just have to stop the run now they, they they're complicated it with you know the on the outside you know two on two with the two with the receiver and the and the uh, say two defensive backs with two wide receivers out there and you throw one of those outside wide receiver screens that's a great matchup for Auburn I, you know we block all day to get a running back one-on-one on the safety and make a miss and now all we got to do so now you got to tilt a linebacker out there to help to make sure there's no cutback lanes. So when I watch Georgia, the only problem I see what they have is, and, and there's a way that, that has given them problems. Even Alabama's great defensive lines did not stop Auburn's running game when they had a quarterback, okay, is you need a dominant defensive line that's almost on, a lineman, not the whole line, but a lineman that's unblockable. That is such a mismatch that you have to distort your offense. And I look at Georgia, and I don't see that. Uh, a, a player up front that is so unblockable that Auburn goes, all right, got to throw this out. we got to do this differently. Auburn is just going to run their regular offense. But there is a path for Georgia to win it. It popped up in the first game. Okay, They're, they're going to have to rely on their quarterback more. They're going to have to do more play-action passes. And when the opportunity, since Auburn is gambling so much with their safeties in the box, and it's another huge question mark to me of why Alabama couldn't throw a deep pass in that game. I just just didn't understand why they just couldn't fake and throw deep. They knew the safety was going to go with Kelvin Ridley every time. Uh, The opportunities for deep balls because of the Auburn safeties being so nosy to stop the run game, so nervous about Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, the deep ball chances will be there. If you hit a couple, it changes the whole feeling of the football game. Okay, well, I'd like to get beyond the SEC this weekend here, and, and, and let's take us out to the, to the Coswell playoffs. I, I want to hear your thoughts on the matchup here. If Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship game, right. Where, where do you handicap the Alabama versus Big Ten champ Ohio State uh, for a final playoff berth? 
Um, listen, I don't know if you saw the, the, the graphic that we put up where I tweaked the committee again. I do it every year. The roulette Two wheel? Years ago. The, no, the one where I had the flow chart of how they make a decision with oh, arrows pointing in every different right, direction. Right. And <laughs> three years ago, I had Jeff Long and Barry Alvarez playing golf with uh, uh, Condoleezza Rice saying, I don't know why you guys are watching filthy tape. I don't know what you're watching. Okay. I don't know the rules of the damn thing, and I've been doing it now for three years. And I've been asking every time, what's the rules? I don't know the rules. It seems to me that they make up the rules as they go along every year. It's very disappointing. How can you go into a uh, college football season where a committee subjectively will pick the final four teams and no one knows what they're doing? or why they're doing it, or what the rules are. They keep saying, it's a clean slate. What we did last year has nothing to do with this year. What we did last week has nothing to do with this week. I don't get it. I'm throwing my hands up. For 20 years, I have been an advocate that championships should matter. I think I read the rules that unless a team is unequivocally better than a conference champion, Unequivocally to mean me means no doubt head and shoulders better that the conference champion gets the nod. And then in 2016, the chairman of the committee, and I'm not saying these people aren't good people and they're, they have the best of, I just think they don't have any idea what the rules are for picking. The, and I'm not so sure that they don't want it to be, um, a little bit mixed up so that they get and uh, uh, choose who they want. I mean, there's no way that they could have justified Ohio State last year. And now to put in Ohio State over Alabama, they have to nullify every argument they made a year ago, null and void, to put Alabama ahead of them. I don't know what they're going to do, guys. I really don't. If they stick to their mantra that they sh- it's to me – Hard for them to look in the camera with a straight face and say that Alabama is not one of the four best teams in college football. And if that's what they're charged to do, how could they walk up there and say, a week ago, we thought Alabama was the best team in college football, and now we don't even think they're one of the four best teams in college football. I I agree with that. Do you think, though, that if Georgia goes and beats Auburn, that that changes the, the calculus there? I think the biggest uh, decision that the committee has to do, and it's a distasteful one, I get it. I, I put it up. They're in a, between a rock and a hard place. Okay. Um, do you eliminate the Big Ten champion by putting two teams from the Southeastern Conference in? I, at the same time? You can't. That Jim Delaney would wage uh, a, a PR war that has never been seen before for if that happened. Well, to Jim Delaney's credit, and then to be critical of Jim, Jim was always an advocate that the four playoff teams should come from the five conference champions. You eliminate number five and say, he's out, okay? And then you look at number four, and then you're supposed to go out, this was his idea, and say, is there anybody else? Is there a independent uh, or anyone else, a non-Power 5 team, okay, or a runner-up 
that is unequivocally better than any of the four, and then you replace them. It seems to me the committee's doing it backwards now. They're picking the four best teams and then saying, oh, these two teams are close. Let's apply the tiebreaker of the, of the championship after the fact. He always argued when they were putting the committee together that it should be the other way around. Champions first, and then you eliminate a champion because some team outside of the championship is unequivocally better than one of your champions, okay? But then a year ago, he conceded, well, hey, I lost that battle, and I'm happy Ohio State's in. <laughs> so, so now he's got no standing, if you ask me. Right. So, so damned if I know. <laughs> I damned if I know what they're going to do. I, I, I think if logically, and I have been an advocate for the system being champions, okay? And then after that, you look if a team should uh, uh, unseat a champion. But in the pattern that the way they've been doing for the last few years, where they say every game counts, if you're going to argue that every game counts and our mantra is to pick the four best teams, how can you not pick Alabama? They had the top to bottom, the most consistent season. They didn't get upset. They didn't have a bad week. You know, like Ohio's, they did. They didn't even lose two team, two games. Does anybody think that anyone else in college football wouldn't have gone into Jordan Hare last week and lost? That's a good argument. I think I think anybody loses to Auburn in that game. The question in is, that game, yeah, in, in that, that game, game that, that's right, in that game. And so I don't know where it goes. Uh, there's only four possibilities left, right, guys? Chalk holds. The ACC champ, the SEC champ. Wisconsin and Oklahoma win, it's over. Right, right? That's, that's easy. One possibility. That's what they're praying right. for. Right. That's that's one scenario. Scenario number two is chalk holds except for Ohio State winning. Okay? We got a decision made. Mm-hmm. Ohio State or Bama, right? Yep. The next the, the, the next possibility is chalk holds except for TCU beats Oklahoma. Now it's TCU versus Bama, right? And then the final possibility, there's only one more possibility. The two teams, the ACC and the SEC, puts their two teams in, and both Ohio State and TCU wins. That's the only other possibility we have. And it seems to me if that happens, you're picking from three teams, TCU, Ohio State, and Alabama, who's out. That's the only three, four possibilities we have. It's going to all unfold in one day, too. And then we turn around, and then we're off, off to the races with the college football playoff. What, what bothers me the most, I understand that these are all ethical people. What bothers me the most is the strong precedent that was set last year. Mm-hmm. If they want to go the other direction, they'll just say, well, there, there is no carryover. We, we yeah. start with a clean slate. No, that's not right. That is not right. You can't give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt back-to-back years, it seems to me. They gave up 55 points here. Now, and how do you argue, by the way, if Ohio State and TCU wins, does Ohio State go in over Oklahoma? Oklahoma beat them at their place. Yeah, no way. I don't think so. (laughs) That's a good point. Head-to-head didn't work last year. You know, when when Penn State. So, I I, listen, they made this mess. They got to live with this mess. I've uh, I've echoing in my head the words of Tony Barnhart. I think he said this to me in 2010 or 2011, and he said uh, the college football power brokers 
and I hope I don't mess up his voice. He says, they like it to be flexible, as in yeah, they, they make do. it that's up exactly as they right. go. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's all well and good. It's all great for, for us guys, not me so much, but people who do podcasts or radio shows or write columns, you know, it's all great. This, all this talk and, you know, consternation, and it, 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 it does fuel a, a fun fall, except if you're on one of these teams. Yeah, I know. Then it ain't so cool. Then it ain't so cool. And it's, I know, us, uh, the, uh, I'm sitting here just gabbing, cashing in on it. And these kids are out here with putting their blood and sweat into the dirt, exactly. having, having to rely on it. Not fair. But, but to that point, you think about it and you say, all right, well, well you controlled your own destiny here. You controlled, you know, you could have yep. lost less games. Yes. And, 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 and with, using that argument, Ohio State certainly controlled their own destiny by not getting blown out by Iowa on the road. Uh, totally. I mean, yes. you know, Alabama can be excused with the, with the road loss of Jordan Hare. Less so for Ohio State. Mm. Well, and the whole, the whole, there's so many things to talk about. It is just like, <laughs> I mean, okay, so Ohio State, who gave up 38 to Penn State, gets more value for that than Alabama does for opening the season against the strong Florida State team who had their quarterback. The reason Florida State's not good is because of Alabama. It, it, that's. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Literally, it's it's a tough it's a tough swallow to put two teams in from the same conference. Though I do get that. Woo! All right. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna decide it out. Uh, our final data points, as the committee always likes to say, yeah, uh, exactly. We'll, we'll be on the field, and Gary Danison will be there with Brad Nessler right. and Allie LaForce uh, at the SEC championship game from Atlanta. It will be Auburn and Georgia. Uh, Gary, we'll be watching. Thanks so much. Yep, Martin, thank you very much.